Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. I want you to turn in your Bible tonight to, uh, let me see which opening that I want you to turn to. I want you to turn, first of all, to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. Hallelujah. Proverbs 22. I want to start a new topic tonight from the 22nd chapter of Proverbs. I want to talk about effective Christian parenting. Effective Christian parenting. Now, to be an effective parent from a Christian perspective... If you ask a question of most believers, what would, what would constitute an effective Christian parent? And most people would say a parent who leads their child or children to Christ. In other words, uh, a parent who through their influence, their child is saved and goes to heaven. That would be uh, uh, an effective Christian parent. But you know that's only part of the answer? It's only part of the answer. A parent isn't really, cannot really be judged effective in their parenting unless they produce in that child a real passion for God, a real hunger for God, uh, to be saved, but to also follow his will for, for their life, his or her life. That God has a lot for everybody. There's a plan for our lives. And it involves being born again. It involves receiving uh, uh, his blessing. But he has a lot of blessings that he wants us to enjoy. And he wants us to, he has a plan for us to follow in life. He has a place that he wants to take each of us to. There are things that he wants each of us to accomplish. There are things he wants your children to accomplish. And see, if they don't accomplish what God has for them, not only are they the poor, but the people they influence will be the poor. Possibly the people they should influence will never even know God. That's pretty serious. So successful parenting uh, involves bringing your child to a saving knowledge of Jesus but also bringing them to a place where they love God with all of their heart and serve him faithfully, live for him enthusiastically, pass that passion and that uh, uh, love and, and devotion to God to their children and to their children's children. The Bible speaks very often about the blessing. Uh, to uh, to uh, someone's children and to their children's children. Even to several generations in different places, it mentions different, uh, different numbers of generations. God, when God looks at you or when he looks at me, he doesn't just see you. He sees your offspring. He sees those who come from you. He sees your children, your children's children and, and to generations yet to come. So successful Christian parenting Uh, involves more than just seeing that your child is saved. And part of the reason for that is because 
Sometimes people indicate that they're genuinely saved, but they don't give any evidence, not any long-term evidence of it. And I question sometimes when people come and, and receive the Lord. Now, uh, when I look at people's, the, the fruit of their lives, it causes me to question the depth and, and even the reality of their commitment to Christ. When someone comes forward, for instance, on a, on a Sunday or Wednesday, anytime, someone comes forward, if I'm witnessing to somebody and, and, and I lead them in sinner's prayer, the Bible is real clear. If a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, that is, as his Savior and Lord, Redeemer, and confesses him as Lord, he will be saved. And so when someone goes through the uh, process with me in a prayer and they tell me they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not just historically, but like I talk about a lot of times, they believe him as the Savior uh, and, they, and they accept him as Savior and confess him as the Lord of my life. I have to accept their testimony. I mean, unless the Holy Spirit would show me something different, I'm Bible bound to accept their testimony. And, and, and on the face value of it, I say, well, praise God, I believe it. I, and, I, and I do believe it. I want to believe it. But I know that people appear to come to Christ sometimes who, who really don't. They don't mean it. And they go through the, 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 uh, the process or go through the, the uh, steps of making a confession of, of Christ, but it's not real. People have a lot of different motives. And I'm talk, talking about your children necessarily. I'm just talking about people in general. It can apply to your kids. It can apply to anybody. People, for instance, uh, I, I've witnessed people who've come to church. Say a, a, a man comes to church and, uh, you know, he's uh, not lived for God or uh, ever. Or maybe he's backslidden and his wife, you know, they're, they're married. And, and, but she's a Christian. And finally... You know, just because just having a terrible marriage and, and uh, for whatever reason, she's finally just thrown in the towel. She's, she's finished. She's had enough. She wants him out of her life. I've had men come to church. Oh, they want God in their life. Oh, they just, they just want to be saved. They just want God in their life. And to be honest with you, like I said, I can't judge an individual in a particular case because that's not my call. That's, that's between them and God. Like I said, unless the Holy Spirit showed me something, but that usually doesn't happen. That's not, that's not my call to make, but I know this. I know that a lot of people in the situation like that, this man is only wanting his wife back. He suddenly realized that, uh, you know, he's really got a much better thing going than he has really uh, uh, appreciated. And now he's faced with losing uh, all of the joys of a home life and a wife. And, and uh, uh, this thing seems awfully loud. Does it seem loud to you? Can you bring that down a little bit? I feel like I'm hollering. Uh, he, uh, he, he's interested in more than God. And I'm of the persuasion that God won't take second place in anybody's life. And so I question sometimes, because I've seen those people, oh, they come and cry, you know, just shed crocodile tears and just, you know, I mean, they're just so repentant. They want God in their life. And as soon as things change, never see them again. Sometimes people will come to church when they're in trouble in different ways. 
Maybe they're facing a prison sentence. They've got, they've got themselves in a real trouble. And so they'll come to church. Oh, I want God in my life. I want God. I want, you know, and as soon as that, that situation, whatever it might be, resolves itself and the burden is lifted up, you know, you don't see them anymore. Well, the Bible says, can judge a person by their fruits. Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. Isn't that right? So you just know that some people aren't serious. Now, uh, sometimes parents will bring their kids to church. The children will come to church with them and they make a confession of Christ. And uh, to the satisfaction of everybody around them, in the family and at church, you don't really know what's going on in their heart. You really don't know how sincere your child is. Actions speak louder than words. Let's say your child has, has, has come to church, you've brought him to church, he's been coming to church since he's a little kid, now he's a teenager, and maybe graduated from high school, he's in college, or maybe a little older, and you know, he, when they reach that age where, where they're no longer a dependent child, they just start falling out of church. They don't come back to church anymore. You don't see them. We've, had, we've seen that a lot of times. We don't see them anymore. Uh, there's nothing in their life that gives evidence of a Christian life. How do you know? How do you know? See, I, as a parent, I could never be satisfied with that. The only way I know my children are going to make it with me to heaven is I, I need to, to see evidence in their life that they love God with all their heart, that they're pursuing God, not just because they have to, not just to get uh, the approval of the moment or the, the approval to keep people off of their back. I need to see in their life evidence. Amen. And, and really... Like I said, you know, even, even if my children are saved, if they're not passing that on and influencing their children to the same degree that I've influenced them, then to a degree I've failed. I, I, it's important to me that my grandchildren are, are, are saved. It's important to me that, that, and it will be, that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren will know the Lord. If, if my children don't catch the same fervency and the same hunger and the same desire for God that I have, if they don't catch that, what are their children going to catch? Now, sometimes children can be powerfully influenced by their grandparents. But what if, what if they're not around their grandparents very often? No, it's serious. How we raise our children is very serious. God holds us accountable for our children and for their instruction because he puts our children into our hands to care for and to, and to train and to bring them up in the things of God. We, we, we're charged with, with the responsibility of, of, of uh, creating in them the right kind of heart. You say, can you create in somebody? Yes, you can. You can fashion your children's heart. You can mold their heart and their, and their, uh, uh, their, their spiritual nature. You can, you can fashion that. You can shape it. We're required to. 
Of course, nobody in this room would agree with the old adage or the old worn out uh, statement that you hear people say sometimes. Well, I just believe people, children just should be left alone and make their own decisions for God. That's absurd. No, no saved person, I don't believe, no genuinely saved person would ever agree with that. And so I know there's nobody in, probably in this room for sure that, that would agree with that. But it's more than, than just not uh, leaving them on their own. We have, to, we have to train our children because, again, they're, they're our responsibility. God has entrusted them to us. Amen? So if you found Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful promise. What, a, what a, a, an assuring scripture. I mean, that, that brings comfort to a parent. When, you know, whenever you're in, the, in the, the years where you're raising your children. Now, some of you are, are older. I understand that. But do you have grandchildren? You can still have a powerful influence around, uh, uh, on your grandchildren. And you have an influence on your children as long as you live. Amen. I've said this before, when I was younger, I foolishly thought, well, you know, child raising and the responsibility of being a parent, you know, I'll have this for 18 years, you know, for each child and, and then that'll be over. I'll put, move on to something else. I discovered no, 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 no. What I do, how I conduct myself, how I live my life affects my children. And, and I've got a 40-year-old and a 35-year-old, both of them married with got five grandkids. My conduct and my actions in my life affect my children. I've seen with my own eyes in, in, in my own church, in, in, in times past, I've seen parents make a wrong move uh, in the things of God, take a wrong turn, and I've seen it pull their adult children right down with them. Followed, not, not necessarily followed in their footsteps, but they followed in error because their parents dropped the ball at a critical time in their life. And they were grown, but it can happen. But it doesn't have to happen. There is a promise here that is absolutely true that if we will train up our children in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. Now, I've told you before, I, I was raised in a, a denomination and we read that verse, but we interpreted it differently than the way, than the way it's actually read. We, in our minds, because, and the reason I know this, because I heard, all, I heard people testify all the time. You know, uh, parents would, would have their children in church and, and then there would be, their kids would grow up and then they'd quit coming to church and go out, you know, and just uh, living an, an ungodly life. And I've heard people testify they, with tears. Oh, I'm, you know, I just, I just have the precious promise that, uh, uh, you know, if you train up a child in the ways to go, even, even if they fall away, they'll come back. That's not what that verse says. That verse doesn't say if you train up a child in the way he should go, even if he goes out and sows all of his wild oats and ruins his life and destroys many families and, and, and lives like an infidel, if you just hold on faithful, he'll come back. That's not what it says. It says train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Oh, that's precious. I mean, that is such a, that's such a precious promise. Amen, but, it, but it's conditional. It's conditional upon us training up a child in the way he should go. Amen? 
Praise the Lord. So even though you might not have children, you need to know this. Even if you, even if you don't, uh, uh, you know, you might not have uh, uh, dependent children right now. Maybe your children are grown or you have grandchildren or you will have grandchildren. Or maybe you've never even had any children. It's still important to know because you can be an influence in somebody's life. Amen. You can influence a child that's not even your own. Amen. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Excuse me, chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6. We'll start in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll read down through the fourth verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. How many of you parents have ever sat down with your child and read that verse to them and said, honey, this is why you need to honor mommy and daddy. Because if you do, it'll go well with you all of your life. You'll live long. You'll live a long and happy and prosperous life if you'll honor your mom and dad. Parents need to tell their children that. They need to know that. They need to know there are consequences uh, for not obeying their parents besides just restrictions. There are consequences for living a, re, a rebellious life. They need to know what those are. And, and parents are, are, are responsible for teaching their children, their children. He said, and you fathers, verse four, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I want to talk about three things briefly, bringing them up, training and admonition. The, the, the word training, I've looked at uh, a lot of uh, translations and uh, the most common thread of, of translation in, in, these, in, in this verse where the, where the word, uh, the older King James says nurture and then ab- admonition. King James says training and admonition. The most common word chosen by most modern uh, uh, translators is the word discipline. Bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord. The discipline, King James, New King James here says training. The discipline of the Lord has to do with the rules. What's right and what's wrong. What you do and what you don't do. How you behave, how you don't behave. What's godly, what's not. The rules. Every house has to have rules. Now that's not popular in our culture. It's not popular in the world today. Just... Anything goes. No, anything doesn't go. If you want to see your, your children in heaven with you, not anything goes. Amen. So discipline has to do with the rules. And I'll, and I'll elaborate on, on some of those a little later in this. Uh, and uh, the word bring them, bringing them up or bring them up comes from a word that that means to to nurture and raise children but it has an element of tenderness about it it's talking about tenderly raising your children it's talking about uh making sure in your rules and and the the principles that you that you uh, instill in your children what's right and what's not and how to behave not how not to behave there's an element of tenderness in the in this in nurturing in other words tenderly and, and, and warmly cause their heart to warm to these rules. 
And the only way to do that, if you're, if you're just a strict disciplinarian, and it's just, it's just toe the, the line or else, you, you don't get it swatted. If you, if you have that mentality, your children won't love the truth. No matter how persuasive you are in, in, your, in your explanation of things, if there's not a tenderness about you, if there's not, if, in other words, you have to get down on your child's level and lovingly, sh- lovingly show them why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. And again, part of that is, is explaining the consequences to children. Amen. So the word discipline has to do with the, with the word rules. Admonition, most of the translations or the most common uh, consistent translation of that word was the word instruction. Bringing your children up tenderly and affectionately with the right rules, but also the instruction of the Lord has to do with the truths. Has to do with why we do what we do and what, how God thinks about things. And, and uh, what, what are the underlying principles and power and majesty of right living? See, if you present right living to your children in the right way, they'll love it. I had this uh, conviction, Pastor Angela and I both did when we raised our children. And I'm going to refer quite often to, to what we did because I know what we did. And, and I know others have done the same thing, similar things, had, had the same outcome. But, you know, I'm going to refer to what we did. Not that it's always, you know, going to be the way it has to be. But I'll say like Paul said, you know, when he was writing to the church in the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians about marriage and divorce and such and such. He, he, at one point he said, now this is what the Lord says, not me. Then he gave the instruction. And then another verse he said, now this is what I'm saying, not the Lord. And then in the latter part of that, of that chapter, he said, he, he, he said something that was of the Lord. And I think it, it, he was talking about uh, a, a, a woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. And, and then he said, you know, the rest I have to say, uh, well, let's, let's look at it. I, I want to make sure I get it right because I, I, want, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. First Corinthians chapter 7. Does anybody know? Can you quote that, brother? Bower over there. <laughs> First Corinthians. I can find it here. It's in my Bible. First Corinthians 7. No, I'm looking at the very last verse. See, the verse 39 says, A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Then he said this, But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment. And I think I also have the spirit of God. I like that. In other words, he's telling him, now this is my opinion. This is my judgment. But he, he's saying, I think I know a, a thing or two. You'd be wise to listen to my opinion and my judgment. Well, you know, I'm going to say some things about, about what we did and, and what I think about some things. And, uh, and, and it's my judgment. But at the same time, I've got two children, grown they both are born again, spirit-filled. They're both active in the church. Of course, you know Pastor Greg, you, you know, he's in the ministry here and uh, raising three wonderful children, same way he was raised. My older son, Steve, most, some of you, a lot of you don't even uh, really know him. 
he grew up in church. It was a long time ago. He's 40 years old. He left home when he was 17 to go to college. And uh, when he was in college, he took up the bass guitar. He'd never played it before, but just sort of a diversion from his studies, he took up the bass guitar. And uh, he, he married a wonderful girl. They've got two wonderful kids. They're involved in their church. They go to church three times a week, just like I do. Uh, his wife is a Sunday school teacher. Uh, Steve plays in the Sunday morning praise and worship band. He's one of the band members, plays the bass guitar and uh, plays it very well. He's a very accomplished uh, bass guitarist. Uh, their two boys are invo- involved in all of the activities in church. Everything that's going on, they're in. They're in the Royal Rangers. They're in the, uh, some of this other stuff they do. Anyway, they do a lot of stuff. So they're in church. In other words, they're they're following after God with a passion, doing what they're supposed to do. They're not in full-time ministry, but but my sons are leading their families to Christ. And that's what's important. So, you know, I might not have done everything wrong. In fact, I'll be the first to tell you I, I made mistakes along the way. But I did something right. And thank God for that. By his grace, uh, we, we, we managed to, to raise our children and, uh, and we're bear, they're bearing good fruit. So it'd be wise to listen to what I have to say. Amen. Now, it, uh, this, this, uh, let me go back to this bring them up in, in uh, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bringing them up in the things of God is not just an occasional mention of God. Bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is not just bringing them to church. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'm going to say that. It's not just bringing them to church. It's not just making sure they're in church so they can hear about Jesus. Bringing them up in the discipline and, and, and tenderly in the discipline and in the truth learning of the things of God it is not a casual undertaking. It's not a part-time undertaking. It, it is the most uh, uh, fundamental responsibility a parent has. Most parents, and sadly sometimes, even though they wouldn't admit this, but even many times Christians, by their actions, it's obvious they feel like their, their, their principal responsibility of, of a parent is to feed and clothe uh, their children and, and provide a house, you know, a roof over their head, keep them in school and sports. They've done that, then they've, 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 uh, they've done all right. Far from it. The chief responsibility of a parent, the number one through the ninth, if there's 10 responsibilities, one through nine is the same. And that is to train your children. Bring them up. Now, bringing them up in the training and, and admonition or the discipline and instruction of the Lord involves creating an atmosphere at home. There has, to be a, there has to be a consistent atmosphere. To bring your children up in something isn't to mention it once in a while. It isn't just to correct them whenever they do something wrong. Bringing them up in, in this kind of, uh, of uh, uh, training and discipline involves the atmosphere there has to be an atmosphere in your home. Now, I know that whenever you're raising your children, uh, it, raising children is, is, is extremely stressful at times. I know that. 
anybody that has studied marriage and uh, you know problems that that uh, couples go through, uh, husband and wives go through their their marriage goes through certain uh, difficult times, and one of the most stressful times in any couple's uh, marriage is when there is is abroad. It's a big time. It's when they're raising children. It's a lot of pressures. There's a lot of uh, things to do, a lot of natural things. It's very demanding. That's why grandparents uh, have such a, a, a wonderful time. Because as grandparents, now, now see, I have the same responsibility to nurture my children in the things of God, my grandchildren in the things of God. But it's a whole lot more fun for me. Because see, I didn't have to get them up and get their crooked little feet in those little shoes this morning being late already I, I it wasn't my responsibility to get them dressed to feed them to do the the other long list of things that that and I've forgotten a lot of it you know but uh I know that that's very stressful but then my children bring the kids over to us and everything's just wonderful you know, we just love, they just love to come to, to, to Nana and Papa's house. It's just so much fun. We're the good guys. Now, now don't misunderstand me. We'll correct them. If, if they show themselves, well, we don't spoil our children in that sense. We don't put up with foolishness out of them. If they, if they, if they need their little behind swapped, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll swatted, we'll, swatted, we'll do that. Sweated, swatted, swatted, paddled. We'll do it. And oh, it just about breaks their heart too. But the point is, it's, it's, it's challenging raising children. I understand that. We, we raised two. We didn't raise 10, you know, but we raised two. I don't know how insane I would be if we had raised 10. But, <laughs> <laughs> but praise God, God knew what he was doing and we know what we were doing. <laughs> so... Uh, Bringing, like, like I said, bringing them up in the uh, discipline and training of the Lord involves creating an atmosphere. And I'm not talking about necessarily an atmosphere where you play music and I'm not talking about a mood. I'm talking about an atmosphere of godliness, an atmosphere of the presence of God and the reality of God. God was very real in our home. After we got back into fellowship with the Lord, Steve was uh, two when I got back into fellowship with the Lord. He's a little older when she came around, but <laughs> but they were. But Steve was young. Greg hadn't been born yet. But uh, from from very early times in our home, God was real. God wasn't a theory. God wasn't. Uh, 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 God wasn't the uh, originator of a bunch of harsh rules and regulations. God wasn't, wasn't uh, uh, a mean person in, in, the, in my children's mind. We lived, our family lived for God. You say, well, you're the preacher. It's got, we were this way before we went into the ministry. We, uh, Steve was how old when we started the church? Almost 10. Greg was five. Uh, now they were still young, 
But what I'm telling you is we, the, God was real in our home. There was an atmosphere where, where because the things of God were real to Pastor Angela and I, we weren't pastors at the time, but we were faithfully involved in church and the things of God were real in our life. And because of that, he was real in our children's lives. They saw it. And so that's what's involved in uh, bringing them up in these things. Amen. Now go with me, if you would, over to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Hallelujah. I'm going to go jump ahead too for just a moment. Hold your place in Genesis 18 and go, because we're going to come back, but go to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. I want to say this, because I'm, I'm talking a lot about responsibility. And, you know, when you're in the, the throes of parenting, and all this involved, and like I said, in the daily uh, confusion sometimes that involves, you know, keeping your house in order and keeping everything going, you know, all the cylinders firing at the right time. Uh, it, it can be stressful. And sometimes your children will really challenge you, the best of them. They'll really challenge you. And sometimes it'll look like, in spite of your best efforts, they're going the opposite direction. It'll look like that. There were times in, in our two boys' lives and just growing up where, uh, you know, they, they wanted to do some things that weren't right. They wanted to go in, 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 in the way of the world. We could see it. And, of course, during those times, we spent a little extra time in prayer about it. Uh, I was never fearful because I believed the scripture that you've trained up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart. I believed that. As soon as I got in, back into fellowship with the Lord, that was one of the first commitments I made. I, I read over in, Josh, you know, in, in Joshua, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I made that declaration just between me and the Lord over my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I never doubted it, not in my heart. Now, maybe in my mind, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You can have all kinds of doubts flow through your mind. They don't mean a thing unless you start talking about them. Words of doubt and fear, if they're not put into word or action, thoughts of, of doubt and fear, if they're not put in word or action, they die unborn. They don't produce a thing. Amen. But I had it in my heart. I made a commitment that, that my children were going to make it. But there were times when it looked like they were, they, they were determined to make some wrong choices, some destructive choices. Uh, this scripture here in Judges was also a help, and it should be to you. Chapter 13, this is the story of Samson and his birth and how the angel of the Lord appeared to his parents and uh, to his uh, mother first announcing that uh, uh, she was going to have this child and the hand of God was going to be upon him. She went and told her husband. And uh, in verse number 8, Manoah, this was Samson's father, prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord. Please let the man of God whom you sent, he didn't know it was the angel of the Lord at the time, 
Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. This this is a, a, a prayer that it's okay for you to pray. God wants you to pray this prayer. If you, if you will approach, parents, if you, if grandparents, if you will approach your children with, with this prayer, the raising of your children with this prayer, God, show me what to do. Show me how to do it. Show me how to uh, invest the right things, how to put the right things, how to do it right. If you'll do that, God will honor you. God will come through. God, every time we, we faced uh, uh, something that looked like a, a crisis or a, or a challenge where our kids were concerned as far as, I'm not talking about their physical well-being, but their spiritual well-being. Every time we faced that, the Lord was so quick to respond to our hearts when we prayed. He always showed us what to do. We always knew this is the way to handle this. This is the way to pray, take authority, don't say anything, just take authority over it. Or other times, deal with it just straight up. God always showed us, he, he will you. The Holy Spirit won't let you uh, go through this alone. Amen. Now, if you found, uh, uh, what did I tell you to go, Genesis 18? Yeah, have you found that yet? In Genesis 18, the Lord had appeared to to, uh, Abraham and he had instructed him, as you know, uh, let me find this verse. Yeah. He had instructed him uh, concerning his children, concerning his descendants and how uh, he was supposed to conduct his house. And in the 18th chapter in verse number 19, he makes this statement. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now this is a, a, a real kind of a peculiarly uh, phrased verse. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Another way to read that is, I have made myself known to him. I have revealed myself to him. Why? That he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, on Sundays, we've talked a lot about Abraham. Actually, we we talked about it on Wednesdays too in the study about the promise made to Abraham. The promise made to Abraham was was no uh, uh, simple promise or small promise. God made a promise to Abraham and to his descendants about blessing and their posterity and what would come. And really, God was talking about Christ. God needed to bring the Redeemer into the earth. He needed a a bloodline. He needed 
uh, an ancestry track that, that he could, that he could uh, pour his grace out on. But he needed somebody that would be up to the challenge. And he needed somebody faithful. If Abraham had not taught his children, and if you, and if you read this, he, he not only taught his children, but he taught his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. He passed on the revelation that God had given him. He, he successfully passed it on to his children. And they in turn passed it down. If Abraham had not done that, Christ could not have come. Now, your child doesn't have that kind of responsibility. But it's, it's very sobering to think that the, the blessings of God and the promises of God for your life and for you fulfilling God's plan in your life depends on how you raise your children. Because see, if again, if Abraham had not passed that on to Isaac and, and, and to his descendants, then God's plan for somebody else, you and I, would have, would have never come to fruition. Christ could not have come. There would not have been a church well, see, in, in that kind, the whole weight of that, of course, isn't on your child because Christ has already come. But who, who is your child going to influence? They better influence their children. It's, it's been uh, commonly noted, I've, I've observed it myself, that even in uh, a movement, a spiritual movement, like say, for instance, the Pentecostal movement or the word of faith movement or you know any major move of God the revival fires of that movement generally burn real bright just one generation second generation is just not quite as on fire about it a few are some are but not all the second generation of any movement tends to have a, a lower percentage of of the people who profess it actually have the goods. I'm, uh, like I've told you sometime, I'm, I'm a third generation Pentecostal. My grandparents were uh, uh, Pentecostal people. And uh, the church that I was raised in and that they helped found, you know, the, in Jacksonville, not the organization, but the that denomination in Jacksonville, I, my grandparents were, were uh, uh, very uh, centrally involved in the founding of, of Pentecost in Jacksonville. My grandparents. My parents carried that. My sisters, my brother and I carry that. But I tell you what, I know a lot of people, a whole lot of people that I grew up in, grew up with in church you know, in my generation, they don't darken the door of a church. And our denomination, Pentecostal denomination, several years, this has been 20 years ago, it was this way, it's in, it's, and the statistics have gotten worse. But our, our Pentecostal denomination really cannot honestly be referred to as a Pentecostal denomination anymore because far less than half of the people who are on the membership rolls have ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They don't even know what it is. They don't speak with other tongues. They, don't, they, they, uh, they come to church and, and that you're still on the books. 
But what am I saying? In order for your children to have what you have, you have to deposit something in them. You have to make a, 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 an indelible mark in that child's life or else they're, they're, they may give lip service to it and they may uh, sort of, you know, in, in theory, believe it. But if they don't, if they don't have a, a hunger and a heart for God, their children won't catch it. And so uh, Abraham, that, that's one, one reason the Lord revealed himself to Abraham so, was so that he would command his children. Notice, command his children. Pastor, you think you should command your children to love God? Oh, absolutely. Now, don't go about it maybe in, in such an obvious way. But by our actions, by the value we placed on the things of God, uh, we were commanding it. There was no, there was no negotiation. There was never any, uh, there was not, not the slightest possibility in our minds or in our uh, understanding, the way we looked at our children, our future, there was, there was no possibility in that, that our children would not walk with us in the fullness of the things of God. But again, we had that atmosphere now, again, I'm not talking about the kind of music you play. That's good, you know, to play good Christian music. But uh, uh, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about mood. I'm talking about the, the pursuit of God. There was an atmosphere of faith and of faithfulness. When, when we first went into the ministry, uh, I, I told my, actually, when we, when we left to go to, to Ramah, I think, so before we actually started the ministry, I took my little boys, as little as they were, you know, and I said, uh, particularly Steve, he was a little older. He could understand this a little more than Greg could. But I said, now, guys, you know, we lived fairly comfortable. We weren't rich or anything, but uh, we lived well enough that Angela didn't have to work. And I made enough money for us to live. We were comfortable. We had nice things. Uh, we could have lived more comfortable if she had worked. <laughs> but we didn't have to. And she wanted to stay home and raise the children. Uh, and that's always best if you can do it. But it's, you know, I understand that sometimes parents, both parents have to work. But we, we were blessed uh, that we didn't have to. She didn't have to do that. And so when Christmas time came, our kids got a lot of presents like other kids did. And uh, we enjoyed some, some times of, uh, you know, recreation. We got to go on vacations and do things, you know. And, and so our kids were, were, were pr pretty well provided for. But I told my boys when we, when we uh, left everything to follow God, I said, now, guys, there, there may be a while. I'm not, this is not doubt and unbelief. But, you know, we're, we're walking away from sec some security. And there may be a short period of time, maybe a few years, where maybe you guys won't be able to get everything for Christmas that you want like you've been doing. And there may be some lean times ahead, but we're going into the ministry. And see, my, even my little boys, as, as little as they were, small as they were and young as they were, to the degree that they could understand it, they couldn't understand it fully, but to the degree they could, they saw us as a family going into the ministry. We, the Andersons, we're going into the ministry. It wasn't just mom and dad. They were part of it. And I said, now guys, we're going into the ministry. We're gonna go into full-time ministry and there may be some lean years. There may be a, a few years, you know, where maybe you don't have as much, 
But you stay faithful to God. You stay with me and your mom. And you follow what we teach you. And you stay with God. The day will come when you'll have it all. You won't lack for anything. You'll be blessed. The blessings of God will be. And you know what? Those two little guys says, we're ready. I mean, they accepted that. They were just, they didn't, that didn't bother them. It was, it, it, it was really like, well, yeah, what else are we going to do? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to follow God? He'll take care of us. As young as they were, they accepted the, the decision. And so as a family, we included our, now we didn't tell our children when we were, you know, you know, um, you know, things, you know, didn't look good financially. If we had needs, we didn't bother them and burden them with that. But they understood that as a family, we believed God and we talked about it. And we'll talk about that some more. But uh, uh, Abraham commanded his children in that way. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're, and that's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it wasn't negotiable. And see, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just Abraham's children, his whole household. When God uh, revealed the covenant to him and revealed the sign of the covenant, circumcision, he said, every male child born to you of your own flesh or anybody born in your house, people, even bought with your money. In other words, all of his servants he said, every one of them, all the males, they're, they're all going to be circumcised. This was something that Abraham, he, he had a, a, an understanding that this isn't just about God's blessing on me, just me. I think a lot of times, parents, if, you're, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up with God's blessing on me that we fail to realize that God looks at you and he sees your whole family. When Abraham made his decision that I'm going to follow God with all of my heart. It was not just me and not even just the kids. It was everybody around him. Everybody in his, in other words, all of his servants it, it, with you, it would be all of your, your entire life. In other words, everything you do, your, if you own a business, it needs to be committed to God. God needs to be the chief one in your business. If you don't own a business, if you work for somebody else, you need to have God involved in your, in your relationship on the job. You need to keep Christ in the middle of everything. So that, so that uh, with you, everybody around you knows that you are a child of God and you're no compromise. And, and that doesn't mean being in people's face and being ugly and, and, and uh, rude and so forth. But everybody knows you're sold out. And see, that's really what a parent has to do. If you're going to be effective for, for reaching your family and, and making sure they follow after the things of God all of their life, you have to be sold out, totally sold out. And see, I see parents today that, that really aren't. They, they really aren't sold out. I see a lot of neglect in parents today where their children are concerned. Like I said, some seem to think it's enough just to feed and clothe their children, but it goes beyond that. We all agree in principle that the greatest goal of parenting is the salvation of our kids. Does any, would anybody not un, agree with that? Absolutely. We all know that. For what value would there be if you lived your whole life, no matter what you accomplished, in earthly goods, what value would it be if your children don't make heaven, if, if your children aren't saved? I mean, what, what a horrible thing 
for your children not to be saved. But like I said, there's more to it than that. What, but what if they end up not really being on fire for God as adults? Well, what, if, what if you raise your children and they're in church and they go along with it? They don't buck you too much. They just come to church, you know, and, and, and if you talk to them, and, you know, do you, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I am. If you just, okay, that's all I need to know, they're saved. A, a lot of parents, that's their, that's their approach. I've done my responsibility. I talk to him. <laughs> Raising your children for Christ isn't like having the sex talk. Whew, had that talk, that's out of the way. I think a lot of parents think that. They had their talk. You know you're saved. Yes, yes sir, I, I am. Okay, got that out of the way. Don't have to mention that again. What you'll, what you'll see is your, your child, they're not real rebellious, you know, just kind of go, go along with things. Uh, they'll grow up. They'll marry wrong. They'll make wrong decisions. The things of God won't really be the primary things in their life. You know why? Because it hasn't been in your life. It wasn't in your life. And it won't be in theirs. And where you came to church, you know, most of the time, they'll come very little at all. And then their children are likely to never know Christ. Wouldn't that be horrible? Well, that, that's really the way it goes so often. Uh, the problem is many Christian parents actually do very little, if any, actual training and admonishing like I said very little many parents do very little many parents actually never talk about the things of God with any, with any degree of, of, of uh, 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 I don't know how to say it in other words it's not just something that's automatic if it ever comes up it's awkward a lot of parents feel very awkward about even talking about the things of God with, even with their kids and, and you, you have to get beyond that. You have to bring Christ into your home in such a way that it's a natural thing to talk about. That it's just as natural as talking about, you know, the, 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 the seasons of the year or, or anything else that's going on in life. It, it, it needs to be something that, that you're conversant with with your children. And, and, and that you're, uh, that you, and the only way to do that is to make it a central part of your life. I think a lot of times parents live for God privately. Their, their faith in God, their prayers, and, and, and their communion with God is very private. And the children never see it. Now, I, you know, you might be surprised. You might think that I prayed with my children all the time and, you know, we had big Bible studies. No, we didn't. We didn't. I prayed with my children and I prayed for my children but the main testimony and, and I never forced my kids to read the Bible I, uh, when we were at Ramah I never did this but I really saw the, uh, the other side of it when we were at Ramah I remember there was a family that we had met in Jacksonville just before we went to Ramah and we got uh, introduced to them because they had been accepted for the same school year. We didn't know them but just a few weeks before we went out there. But um, uh, there were several families. We all ended up moving out there together. We all kind of caravanned and 
shared uh, uh, U-Haul space and everything, got out there. And this family, they were, they were older than us, but they had younger children, a little bit older than ours. But I remember they made their children, every day their children, were, they were forced to read the Bible for so long and make confessions. They had big confession sheets printed up, you know, faith confessions. You know what I'm talking about? They had these big faith confession sheets and their children were, were required every day. You read the Bible every day and you make these confessions every day. But you know what? It, there was no reality of God in their home. They were Ramus students and these were their children. That little boy that was probably at the time about 10 and the little girl was about 14, 13. Uh, what happened? Well, n- neither of those children are serving God today. In fact, now this is a tragedy. I'm not would never blame a parent for something like this, though things do happen. Things happen for a reason. The young man uh, committed suicide uh, as, as, a, as a very young man, and their daughter, she didn't go to church anywhere, not involved in things of God. You, know, just, you can't force Christianity on your children. It has to be lived in such a way that they love it. Because they can see it. I, I told my children, and you know, uh, I also was different than a lot of per- parents. A lot of parents, you know, if you lived a really rough, you know, life and sinful life, you don't want your children to know anything about it. I wasn't that way. I, I, I told my children about a lot of the things I did. One, one reason was I wanted them to know, don't even think about it. I've already done it. I'm on top of it. I'll, I'll know what you're up to before you even think, get finished thinking about it. But another thing, I, I made it clear, and I've run over a minute or two, and I'm going to stop. I made it, I, the one thing that we endeavored to do is we endeavored to live our Christian life in such a way that they saw the emptiness of the world. We have the best thing. The world doesn't have the best thing. The world doesn't have anything compared with a life with God. And we made sure that our children saw that. That they understood that, that there was, yeah, that they went through some times of temptation. I, you know, yeah, those things came. But overall, they really weren't tempted for, for any, uh, you know, long periods of time in their life. They weren't tempted with the things of this world because they knew God was better. The Word of God was better. The ways of God were better. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.